Hey guys, it's Melissa here from MelissaOatman.com. Welcome to another episode of Awaken Your Inner Awesomeness. I am so excited to be here with you today. We have a very special guest. Today we have with us Mr. John Strelecki. He is a best-selling inspirational author who has sold over 8 million books and it's been published in 43 different languages. And he is an avid world traveler who is here today to talk to us about how we can really tap into our purpose in life and talk about his method of helping people to tap into their own purpose that he calls the Big Five for Life. So I cannot wait to get started talking to him today. Today's episode is brought to you by the Tell Us How to Make It Better podcast. Creator and founder George Siegel started the Tell Us How to Make a Better podcast because he was tired of hearing so many people complain about problems and not doing anything to solve them. So each week he interviews people that have identified a problem and are doing something to make it better. Each week he tackles problems like climate change, disaster preparedness, to decision making. So if you, like George, want to make the world a better place, Check out the Tell Us How to Make It Better podcast. It's available on all platforms. All right. Well, I want to welcome you to the show today, John. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Great to see you. It is so great that you're here today um, because you have written several books and you're helping to inspire others. But I love your story because you started off in the corporate world as a lot of people, they start their stories like that, right? Like I was in the corporate world, I was in this grind um, and just weren't very satisfied with that. So I would love it if you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your story and how you went from corporate America guy to now traveling the world and helping other people find purpose in life. Sure, yeah, my story is actually even more bizarre if I backtrack it a tiny bit. So uh, I'll do the fast version, but I was one of those kids, you sort of have two groups of kids when you're growing up in the high school range. Some people know what they want to do and who they are, and they've got a good sense of that, and some don't. And I was in the latter category. I really didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And uh, for some reason, uh, after watching the movie Top Gun, I decided that I wanted to be a pilot in part because I knew that if you were a pilot, you could get free airline tickets. And what I really wanted to do was to go see the world. Yeah. And so I was like, well, that sounds pretty good. You get free airline tickets. And uh, so I invested my life savings. I had been working since I was 12 years old. We didn't have much money when I was growing up in my dream of becoming a pilot and eventually getting to go see the world. And unfortunately, or fortunately, as it turned out, when I was 21 years old, after all of my training and all of my investment, I found out that I could not be a pilot because I had a very, very rare heart condition. And so literally in one day, it uh, went from being, this is going to be your life towards this is never going to be your life. And uh, so it took me about a year to regroup after that. But in the regrouping process I did, I went and uh, had a turn of events, ended up getting my MBA and entering the corporate world and endeavoring in that for five years until I was like, I don't think I can keep doing this because I don't have a hard connection to it. And so I left everything behind to go backpack around the world. And did that for a year. And I know that you're a traveler too. Yes. And so when I came back from that, I was a very changed person. The way I looked at my life, the way I looked at the world, the way I looked at what I could do with my life, the value of a day. Like that's a very interesting concept that changes a lot when you're out there backpacking the world. And uh, so when I came back, I had a stream of conscious typing experience that lasted for 21 days where it flowed through me. And that is the cafe on the edge of the world. Um, I wasn't a writer. 
I didn't think of myself as someone who dreamed of being a writer, but I think for whatever reason, after I demonstrated to the universe that I was willing to leap into the unknown, follow my heart, that the universe said, we have a little task in mind for you, a little, a little game we'd like to play with you. You're going to be the author of this book series. And uh, so here we are now, the book, as you mentioned, is in 43 languages, and uh, it's been a seven-time bestseller of the year. It's being turned into a movie, and all because I took that leap into the void. So I love helping people do the same. I love that story, and that's awesome. And uh, it's amazing to me what traveling can do for yeah. people and how, you know, when we travel, we connect to other cultures, other people, but it, we learn more about ourselves, too, in that process. Yeah, it's interesting how yeah. you, no matter where you grew up, you have a perception of reality based on your life experiences. And then when you get out there and travel, even little things, like I remember the very first time I ever traveled overseas, I did a 10 day trip to Italy with two friends of mine. And then I did a month wandering through Costa Rica with a backpack. And I remember in Italy, we were staying with some friends of one of my friends in Milan. And so we were just like crashing on the floor, crashing on the couch. And I went to go take a shower and I couldn't figure out how to get it to go hot. And the reason I couldn't is because they have these electric things on the top of their showers and some of the small flats. And you reach up and literally turn on this device. And there's like all kinds of electrical wiring. I'm thinking to myself, this does not look safe, like <laughs> electrical and water. I don't know about this, but this is the norm for them. And so it really helped me realize something very profound, which is just because this is the way I've been doing it doesn't mean it's the right way. Like there's other ways that people are doing all kinds of different stuff around the world. And if I'm open to it, I can learn an awful lot by asking the question, huh, I wonder how somebody else does it. And I wonder why they do it that way. Yeah, it definitely I think opens your eyes a lot when you see that, you know, as you said, we've been taught to do things a certain way our whole lives and we've been conditioned to think that this is good and this is bad. And, yeah. and when you travel, you're like, well, that's not really the case at all. So yeah, you make a good point with that. I also think that, I don't know about your travel experiences, but especially traveling in third world countries, it just makes you so grateful for something that you didn't deserve I mean, you know, I dropped out of the womb and dropped into a country where I got a passport that basically gave me access to the world. And in so many of the places that I was traveling, these people would work their whole lives just to save enough money to send their kids to the neighboring country because they thought they could make a better living in the neighboring country. There was no way they could get to the U.S. or another country like that. And uh, yeah, I remember being in Vietnam and seeing these bands that play. And all the members of the band are victims of landmines. And so they're all missing a piece of themselves. That wasn't my reality growing up. I didn't have to worry about running into a landmine. And again, it's not like I did anything to deserve that. It's not like I accrued a thousand good person points or did a thousand good deeds. I just got that gift and it humbles you. It makes you very grateful for what you have. And hopefully it's something that we carry with us when we see those moments, because it's easy to drop into a personal pity party you know, something goes wrong, you're frustrated with something, but then you have that frame around and you're like, well, I, I didn't have to deal with that. And, and I have a warm shower. So I, it's, yeah, it, I love travel for the, all those reasons and more. Yeah. And it does, if you're like me, I love to travel, but also I love coming home even more because I appreciate, <laughs> you know, my bathtub or my bed or, you know, those kinds of things too, or getting to see my dogs when I come home. So it makes you very much appreciative of everything, I think, 
So that's one of the reasons I love to travel too, because I think you, you learn to appreciate everything in life. Yeah, totally. And I think that if like, I find that about 95% of people have travel on their life list of something that they'd like to do. So one of the other benefits is that it gives you a good taste of an alternate reality that you could be spending your time on. And so if you dream about Hawaii, but you've never been to Hawaii, it has a certain pull for you. But if you actually go to Hawaii and snorkel, you know, like Black Rock or some other famous place there, and you love it, now when you go back home and you're working, even if you don't love the job, the money that you're earning has a whole new level of usage. And uh, so that applies whether you love castles and the first time you ever see a castle in Germany or, uh, you know, some other in Africa, like one of the places that I love the most in the world is Southern Africa. And it's one thing to see it on Discovery Channel, but when you're there in the Serengeti and you're watching the animals and the sunrise, if you've ever dreamed of it and then you experience it and then you go back home, like you will work like a dog to get yourself back because it's such a magical place. Yeah, I totally agree with you. That is one of the things uh, Greece has always been on my bucket list, Greece and Croatia. And we're actually gonna be doing a cruise next summer to go see both of those places. I'm very, very, very excited about that because Fantastic. that's the coolest thing for me. And I'm all about, you know, set goals and, and make sure that you get yourself there. Like don't spend your whole life just dreaming of things, get out there and do it. And so I wanna get into talking about what you're doing now to help other people because you came home from traveling around the world and you wrote this book in 21 days. And I know exactly what you're talking about when you said that you channeled this book because it was like a stream of consciousness that it's just flowing through you. I yeah. feel like that was the same thing when I wrote my book too, was I just, I wrote it in like a couple of months because it just came so easily. And I feel like that wasn't me at all. That was just me channeling the book. So I understand what you're talking about there. So the book is called The Cafe on the Edge of the World. Tell us a little bit more about um, the book and why you wrote that. Yeah, like I said, so I think uh, it picked me more than I wrote it. Uh, but I will say that I would say the very first person who's supposed to read everything I write is me. Like the life, le the life lessons and the stories are things that I've been struggling with or trying to figure out or wondering about. And so my whole life, even from the time that I was a little kid, I was trying to figure out what is the point of life? I would look at adults who were unhappily doing jobs that they didn't like. I would look at people that were getting degrees that they didn't enjoy the subject matter. And for some reason, as a kid, I was processing that and trying to figure out, wait, like seriously, like this is the whole game of life. That's what we do. And then we get to age 65 and then you do fun stuff. It just didn't make any sense to me as a kid. Right. And so I I really thought that I was the only person wondering these things, asking these things. Uh, and then when I came back from my travels around the world and had the story flow through me, there's three questions in the cafe menu that the character discovers. And the first one is, why are you here? And that was really the question I was trying to figure out for myself is, wait, if life is about 28,900 days and that's about it, then what do I want to do with that? And the next question after that is going to be, well, I don't know, why are you here? Are you here to be a world traveler? Are you here to be an inventor? Are you here to be a therapist? Are you here to be? And so it really leads you down a very interesting series of questions of why do you exist? And that not only asks you the question for yourself, but even sort of the big question, why does the universe exist? And uh, so it just opened up a very interesting suite of questions for me. And the second one on the menu is, do you fear death? 
And what I've discovered over the course of my life is that we don't fear dying. What we fear is getting to the very end and realizing that we didn't live, that we had this profound opportunity, these gifts, and we didn't use them. And we fear that moment would, will come someday because we know intuitively that the end will come. Uh, we don't want to deal with it. We don't think about it every single day, but we know it's there. Uh, and so that's the real fear. Well, the easy way to make sure that that doesn't happen at the end is to live an extraordinary life while you can. If you do that, then you're going to get to Dan and be like, well, maybe I didn't get to everything, but I sure got to a lot of good stuff. Yeah. Uh, and the last one is, are you fulfilled? And the answer to that one really depends on what would make you feel fulfilled. It ties into why are you here? And uh, so the, the character in the book discovers those questions. And those are questions I had been thinking about and wondering about for a long, long time. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, were you like that when you were growing up? Did you have those yeah, thoughts? Yeah, really of better? course. And I think more so as I got to the point in my life where I started my career, I had kids, mm -hmm. you know, unfortunately, then you're like, wait, I'm stuck in this career and I don't really like it, but I don't know what my path is. And then you start questioning. So for me, I've questioned that at several points in my life. Um, and I like to refer to those as me having my like spiritual awakening moments yeah. where I've gone through different transitions in my life, whether it was getting a degree in finance. I remember I listened to your, your podcast, yeah. on purpose, which is a great not podcast. Not at all. Yeah. And so changing that and going back and then becoming a teacher and then even shifting again and doing a podcast and writing a book and opening a business like it's changed for me throughout my life because for me like what makes you fulfilled in in one point is different for me yeah. than at other points in my life I think it depends on where you are in your life too as to what makes you fulfilled yeah and you mentioned kids I have a daughter as well and uh, so definitely the time that you spend with your kids or the experience of being a parent is a huge shift uh, just the other day I was looking at a little picture that's next to my bed of my my daughter and I, and uh, she was two at the time. And we used to play this game of wrestling where she would tackle me. And I would pretend I didn't know she was there. And I would say like, oh, I hope nobody's gonna come and like, you know, tackle me or anything. And then out of the blue, she would just come and blitz me. And she would just laugh and giggle. And there's nothing more precious than a little kid giggling. It's just the greatest sound on the entire planet. And I was looking at that picture and thinking to myself that Literally, if I didn't get to do anything else, the fact that I got to be dad was the greatest life experience ever. And it's not like it's over, but she's 15 now. And so it's a different transition period. Mm -hmm. And to your point, I think we have these different things that open up vistas to a world. And if we decide to walk into that world, it can be one of the greatest things ever. Interestingly, one of the questions we rarely ask or rarely get asked is what are you going to leave behind? Because in order for us to walk through one door, we have to leave another room. Mm -hmm. And very often in today's society, we think that we'll just, no, we'll be in all the rooms at the same time. Yeah. And it doesn't work. Uh, and it's sort of an unfortunate situation. But to me, one of the greatest questions we can ask ourselves is, where am I going to be from? What will I leave so that I can go do this thing? I mean, where did you find the courage uh, to make some of your big, I'm going to leave this behind decisions? Um, for me, it was the thought of getting through life and feeling like I didn't get to experience anything. You know, it was that 
feeling of I get up, I do the same thing every day. And like, I don't want to keep experiencing this in my life because it's not a pleasant thing to feel like there's nothing to be joyful for. And I know you have to look for things and, you know, reframe your mind, but also there becomes a glaring thing in front of you of like, these are the things in my life that I can't continue to live with because they're not making me happy. Yeah. So that's really what it was for me. <laughs> and was it one day? Was it uh, a defining moment? Not necessarily one day, but I think things that happened to me in my life, like the first thing really was my divorce and being in a toxic and kind of abusive marriage was the first thing for me that, okay, you can't live your life like this. You, you're miserable. You can't do this. And then the next thing was, was also a major breakup of me saying like, wow, I keep, you know, attracting the same people over and over again. So there's got to be something, there's got to be a reason. And I realized it had to be with me. It had to, I had to look within for myself and what was I doing? Because it's not like you just don't always have bad luck. It's not like that. It's something that you're continuously doing that keeps attracting the same type of person. So those kinds of things to me would open my eyes to say, wait a minute, are you really happy? Like, what are you doing in your life? Are you feeling fulfilled? And that sometimes led to shifts in career, Mm -hmm. as well as working on myself and doing like the inner like healing that I needed to do. I like that. It sounds like a combination. I call this playing the fast forward game, that there are certain moments in your life that you know, they're not great. And sometimes they're even way worse than not great. They're horrible. And if you just look at it on an individual day, you might be able to tolerate it, especially if you have the coping skills like you were talking about. Oh, okay, yes, the situation is lousy, but I've got my health and um, I've got warm water in the shower and I've got a bed to sleep in. And so we can come up with reasons to be grateful, but it doesn't mean we should stay in the situation that is occupying 80% of our unhappiness. Right. And so I love to play the fast forward game where you take this moment and you say, yes, even with all of those things that I'm grateful for, if I fast forward my situation 10 years, but the big thing doesn't change, the thing that's making me most unhappy, will I be okay with that? And if the answer is no, then it's about having that courage. And I asked about having that courage because I think in my life and so many people that I meet, that is the question is where do I find that internal courage to make the change that I know inside my heart that I want to be making? And so I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, my hope is that every, every, I mean, that's, I think every time we hear of someone else having courage, it gives us courage. And yeah. I think we learn so. a process. It gives us a process. Mm-hmm. And I think it helps people to feel like they're not alone. And if totally. someone else can do this, maybe I can do it too. Yeah. When I'm standing and doing book signings, uh, I think that is one of the most common themes that people say is they say, when I read your books, I realized I wasn't alone. I wasn't the only person asking myself, isn't there more to life? I wasn't the only person struggling with these bigger questions. And I love that because I remember when I was younger, like I mentioned earlier, I thought I was alone. <laughs> I thought, am I the only person who sees the world through this lens? Like, what is wrong with me? There wasn't anything wrong with me. It's just that nobody else was talking about it at that point. So. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of things that you know people don't talk about. We don't want to talk about the, the things in life that bring us down 
or where we're feeling stuck. We only want to present our best sides, right? Right. And a lot of people don't realize that I think a majority of people struggle with this. They just don't talk about it and they don't say that they're struggling with this. And we just see it as a burnout or this or that. But it's I think it's deeper than that. I think there's a lot of people who question why they're here and what their purpose is. And a lot of people feel like it's too late. If they've yeah. gotten to a certain point in life, they feel like it's too late to work on that. And I, it's never too late, in my opinion. Yeah, it's never too late. I One of the things I love about going back to the travel piece is how your perception of a day changes. And so I, in listening to your podcast on purpose, as I mentioned offline, I could relate so much to that because I literally had the experience that you described where I was in a job, I would show up on a Monday morning and I would look at the clock and I would think to myself, if I could fast forward time to Friday at five right now, I would totally do it. And when you think about that in the context of your existence, that's so sad. Like I was willing to miss five sevenths of my life because I didn't like what I was spending my time on. And that's a travesty. So the flip side, when you travel and you do something that, or anything else that you love, but I'll use travel as the example, since I'm an adventurer, when you scale a remote section of the Great Wall of China and you stand there and look out and you can see where like, this is where history happened or you're in Africa and you watch a baby giraffe be born. I, it's just a perception. You're not willing to fast forward through a day anymore because now you realize like, whoa, this is what I could do in a day. I could go dive the Great Barrier Reef. I, like it changes that experience. Yeah. And so that's one of my great wishes for people is that they allow themselves to experience life in such an unbelievable capacity that it reframes what a day is worth to them. Yeah. And I agree with you in that when I travel, I'm always amazed that I can start the morning in Germany and then by the afternoon I'm in Switzerland or I'm in France, you know, and you just think it's incredible where a single day can take you Yes, what you can do in a day. Yeah. And it's, uh, it is about finding that courage. And I will say for myself, one of the things that has really helped me is a similar technique to what you described. And that is, it's a combination of the playing the fast forward game that I mentioned. And then it is that second question on the cafe menu, do you fear death? I don't want to get to the end and look back and say, well, I really wish I would have. Like, I, I know I could have. I knew I had it within me and I just didn't. And whether that, again, is diving the Great Barrier Reef or uh, you know, becoming a teacher, if that's your calling or spending more time with your kids. If you have kids telling somebody you love them that you haven't like whatever your thing is, but allowing yourself to do it, see it and experience it. So that at the very end, you have no regrets. I think that's one of the great opportunities in life. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I love that. So I want to kind of shift the conversation a little bit because I know that you have the big five for life and you're helping people using this technique. So I would love for you to explain that a little bit to us. Yeah, uh, the big five for life for the five things that you most want to do, see or experience in your lifetime before you die. Um, in spirit with what we've been talking about, it is allowing yourself to identify these five things and then align your resources so that that becomes your focus. And we often think of resources as financial, and certainly that's a big piece of it. Um, but it goes so much deeper than that. It is your energy, your time, your thoughts, your beliefs, 
All of that are resources that every single day you allocate towards something. And the question is, where are you going to allocate it and why? Uh, we live in a very interesting society now where we have smartphones. And one of the things that I've noticed, people of all ages, is that they are tremendously distracted. Uh, your smartphone can be the conduit to you learning tremendous things about your big five for life, to fulfilling your big five for life. So if you want to go to New Zealand, right, you can be sitting there learning about New Zealand, the top 22 things you need to do in New Zealand when you visit the South Island. Or you can be just flipping and be what I call pleasantly occupied. And the danger of the pleasantly occupied state is that, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, when we were bored, the boredom was the catalyst to go do something interesting. Mm -hmm. It was the boredom that fostered the drive to be doing something different. When we're in that state of just flipping and pleasantly occupied, we lose that catalyst for change. And so it's a very interesting time in humanity of whether or not we're going to rise above this type of obstacle and actually live a truly extraordinary life. And so when you know your big five for life and you align your resources, including your time, so that instead of just flipping and looking at somebody else living an amazing life, you're actually allocating that time towards you living a spectacular big five for life existence. It is unbelievable how the energy and the cosmic algorithm of the universe shifts to support you. What I've noticed is that in the same way that there is an algorithm within Google, where if you type in purple cows with pink polka dots 500 times, it's going to give you articles, pictures, videos, et cetera, all about purple cows with pink polka dots. That in my life experience, there is an algorithm underlying all things. And the algorithm is not looking at what we think and what we say as the primary driver. That's a piece of it. The huge piece of it is what do we do? Because our actions are what indicate to the universe that this is our area of interest. And so if I sit at a desk or I stay in the relationship that's not good for me, but I sit in the desk at the job that I don't like, the benevolent force that is the universe says, huh, how fascinating. Like John could do anything with his life. Again, he could be diving the Great Barrier Reef. He could be wandering Machu Picchu in Peru. He could be inventing something cool to solve a water problem. And instead, he's choosing to sit at that desk with his back hurting and his eyes are getting all foggy. I don't understand why he's so attached to it, but again, he's a creature of free will. As a universe, I'm a benevolent force. And therefore, since he seems to love that so much, I will give him more of that. And when we start to think about our lives that way, it changes everything. Because if we are thinking about what are our big five for life, and then we're actively bringing that into our existence in some way, shape or form, the algorithm says, oh my gosh, that's what Melissa really cares about. Why don't I give her more opportunities for that? And that's when you have the random coincidence moments. That's when you're standing in line at the Starbucks and the person behind you says, I don't know why, but something tells me that you're thinking about going to New Zealand. And you're like, how is that even possible that they know that, right? I mean, have you had those experiences in your life where you've had that random coincidence moment? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, whenever I was wanting to write a book but wasn't really sure if that was the thing i was supposed to be doing yeah a commercial just came on tv and said are you looking for permission to write that book <laughs> and i was like oh okay okay there's my permission there you go yeah i totally believe that that happens and that the universe always aligns us with the guidance but sometimes we're too busy 
to see it or to hear it or to notice it. You know, that could have been easily me walking into the room, seeing TV on in a commercial and not paying any attention to it at all. But yeah. the fact that I tuned my attention, because I don't watch commercials, who watches commercials anymore? Right. That it came on right at that moment. And I was thinking, should I be doing this? Is this really my path? And then you need permission. Here's your permission. So, yeah. 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 One of the things I love about the Big Five for Life is that as I've used it in my own life, as I've seen the impact it has on others, the equivalent story that I would share is it's like turning on five radio stations or five podcast focused channels, et cetera, where you are sending out the message to the ether that says, these are the things that I am most interested in right now. And so it heightens your awareness. It alerts the cosmic algorithm of the universe that says, oh, look at that. She's really interested in teaching. Why don't I give her resources about teaching? So I think it's a combination of your tuning into it when it's everywhere around you. But I 100% have seen it happen so many times that I also know it's the algorithm saying, oh, you're interested in that? I'll give you more of that. Yeah. It's really amazing to me the way that the universe does work and align us to where we're supposed to be in exactly the right moment because there, it takes so much calculated effort to be exactly where you're supposed to be at the right time when the right person shows up to yeah. help you get started with whatever it is that you're wanting to do and i love that and i love that the big five that you have kind of helps people to focus on because i think this is the biggest question a lot of people say i don't know what i want right. i don't know what i want so I love those kinds of uh, programs that help people or the big questions that help people focus on what it is they do want in their life. Because I think we spend a lot of time focusing on what we don't want, mm -hmm. which again, then attracts more of that instead of trying to ask ourselves those questions, like what is my why? Well, what would make me happy? Well, what would make me feel like I was being fulfilled? But we yeah. never ask those questions. It's not something that we're typically taught in school. So you'll go through years and years and, you know, decade plus of schooling and you'll learn really great things to read, to write, math, science, history. Rarely does someone ever say to me, yeah, I had this amazing uh, experience while I was going through my academic education. And someone sat down and asked me the question, what's even one thing that you most want to do, see, or experience in your lifetime before you die? It just isn't part of the typical dialogue. It happens with individual teachers um, it happens with individual students who happen to connect with that right person, but by and large, it's not part of the system, the quote unquote system. And so, yeah, you're going to go through most of your life and probably not get it. That said, there are easy ways to start thinking about this. So let me give a couple of tips for someone who's, who's at that place where they hear what we're talking about. And they're like, yes, I would totally love to align my resources around my big five for life if I knew what they were. And so here's a very simple one that I've seen work very effectively. Uh, ask yourself the question, who is living my dream life? And come up with five examples and write, take the time to write down what is it about their dream life that is the dream life part? Is it the fact that they get to be at home with their kids? Is it that they are on television or in you know, magazine covers? So there's a celebrity aspect to it. Is it that they seem to have a lot of free time? Is it that they get to go travel the world? What are the aspects of their life that makes it the dream life? And then learn as much as you can about that person because there was a story. They came from somewhere before they became that person. Either they took courses 
or they overcame obstacles, but learn as much as you can about those five people. And what you're gonna notice is you'll start to see patterns. And those patterns are basically the pathway for you to go from where you're at to that kind of life. It works amazingly effectively. Uh, it sends a brilliantly bold and spectacular symbol and signal to the universe saying, this is of interest to me. And so you'll get lots of very coincidental, not so coincidental moments of support in that regard. And it helps you then figure out directionally where you want to start going. Um, in sync with that one, I'll give you another tip that has worked really, really well. And that is your brain has one primary goal, which is to keep you alive. And so what it wants to do today is whatever it did yesterday, because you're still here. It must have worked. I didn't get eaten by a saber-toothed tiger. I didn't get stepped on by a woolly mammoth. It must be working. We're still here. And so the danger in that is if you're not careful, you'll just end up doing the same thing today that you did yesterday. And as you talked about, you were in a relationship that wasn't the dream relationship for you. You found the courage to say, I actually want to have that not be my tomorrow. And so one of the ways that we can help get our brain comfortable with this is what I call sampling. So Melissa, have you ever gone into the grocery store and they had samples? Yeah, of course. Okay. Like how big are the samples? Um, usually like just a small bite size something. Exactly. Like toothpicks and cheese yeah. or like a little sample of a drink and a little solo cup or something. Right. And so that's the sample size. If you like it, how big is the size of the thing that you actually would buy? Oh yeah. Like a package of like six or, you know, yeah. Yeah. You're buying the two pound block of cheese. Like right, it's, it's right. amazing, right? <laughs> and this is a great aha moment. And so everyone who's listening, think about this next time you see a sample of anything that when your brain gets the opportunity to sample something, there's very low risk. And what's interesting though, if your brain likes it, it's much more receptive to the big version. And so here's an example of sampling. Let's say, uh, give me an example, if you would, Melissa, of something either that you thought about doing and then did. So like a, a transition that you made or even something that would be on your big, big five for life list today. Okay. So something on my list today is I would love to be a public speaker and go and help motivate people in changing their mindset. Fantastic. Okay. And so let's talk. So let's say that you and I were working together and you shared that as one of your big five for life. I'll walk you through the sequence of steps as it relates to sampling. So you and I are sitting together and I say, Melissa, you're going to be awesome at this. Like I've heard you on your podcast. You got great charisma, tremendous likability. Uh, I know that you come from a heart place. You're going to be fantastic at this. That's a very important step because you want to be around people who a tell you the truth, b have experience because I've spoken on tons of platforms, uh, and c can see you for who you really are and are supportive. But that's not the sampling part. So here's what I would tell you for the sampling part. I'd say, you know, Melissa, I think this is a fantastic dream. I know you're going to be awesome at it. So here's what I have in mind for the next two weeks. I would like you to spend five minutes a day, just five minutes a day. Literally, at you set your timer on your phone at five oh one. You got to stop it. But five minutes a day exploring this world of being a speaker. Now you can watch YouTube videos. You can watch other speakers. You can read magazine articles. If you want to do something for the physical thing, watch things online, whatever you want, Melissa, but five minutes a day and that's it. Well, two weeks go by, we meet up. I say to you, Melissa, how was it? It was awesome. Like, this is so cool. Like, look, that person's on the stage. They're so happy. Look at that audience. They're loving this. And uh, you say, well, what's next? And I said, well, Melissa, you're going to be super excited about this because instead of five minutes a day, 
we're going to do 10 minutes a day for the next two weeks. Now, what is your brain thinking at that moment if you love the five minutes a day? Can't wait to do the 10 minutes a day. And exactly, right? Yeah. And also, it's probably thinking, what are you talking about? 10 minutes? Like, that's not very much time. Like, these are great speeches. Like, these TED Talks are 18 minutes. I got to do this over the course of four days. Okay, so two weeks go by. I come back. I'm like, Melissa, how was it? It's awesome. Like, you should, there's these amazing speakers out there. There's so much great content. I can totally see myself because what's happening is on an unconscious level you're watching a female speaker and your mind is saying, your unconscious mind is saying, huh, now this is interesting. That's a female on that stage and we're a female. She seems really happy on that stage. I like to be happy. Maybe this isn't so traumatic. Maybe this isn't a bad thing. Maybe this is actually a great thing that we could be doing. And so slowly, piece by piece, your unconscious mind is starting to draw the connections where this could be your reality. And it happens on such a micro level. Literally, it's happening like, Oh, that's a female speaker and she's wearing a dress. Wait, I have a dress. Like all of these little micro cues are happening inside the unconscious mind. But on the bigger level, now you come back after two weeks. I say, all right, Melissa, fantastic. How was it? Say, it was amazing. It was so great. Say, what's next? Say, well, Melissa, there is a conference going on in your city and it's hosted by the, the Association of Spectacular Speakers. And I've signed you up to go and I would like you to go. Um, but here's the deal. You're free to talk to anybody you want, but under no circumstances are you allowed to actually speak. Like you can't get on a stage and actually speak at all. So, okay. So you go to the speaker conference and you're meeting all these people. And of course, what happens when you meet people who love the thing that you're trying to love? Yeah. You just connect and yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, talk to a fellow traveler about traveling and see if you can right. get them to shut up. If someone says to me, John, I'm thinking about backpacking around the world. Can I get 10 minutes of your time? I'm like, uh, no, because we're going to sit down until literally I've got you back in your backpack. Like It's going to take however long it takes, but 10 minutes is not going to be enough. So you go to the speaker, then you meet all these people who are so psyched about speaking. They tell you these amazing stories. They love it. And they've got little demo areas where you can actually stand on the stage and do your thing. And so like, come on, Melissa, come on, get up on stage. Just get up on stage and just share your heart, right? And you're like, I can't. I'm like, well, no, it's okay. It's so fine. It's like, come on. That's what it's here for. Come on, get on the stage. You're like, I can't. I'm like, why can't you? Uh, my, my coach wouldn't let me. <laughs> well, now what is your brain doing? Trying to probably think of all the ways you can get on that stage. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely, Melissa. It is transitioned from you trying to pull your brain in the direction that you want to go to your brain pushing you in the direction that you already know that you want to go. This is the power of sampling. And so this is a fantastic tool. I've used it countless times in my own life. I've seen countless people use it in theirs as it relates to their big five for life. And this is something that can help every single person who's listening transition from wherever they're at to where they want to go. And I can't wait to see you on a stage, by the way. You're going to be awesome. <laughs> Thank you. I love that. I mean, that is such a great way to put meaning to that for people so that they can understand how that works when you're, you know, trying to motivate yourself to push yourself to go towards your goals or to check into something. We don't think about that, but I love that. I mean, of course, we've all had sampling every single day of our lives. You can't go into Sam's or any other kind of <laughs> without, without having that. Um, 
And always as a kid, by the way, I loved sampling day at Sam's. That was the only time I liked going to the grocery store with my parents. <laughs> but, you, know, you got to try things. Um, but what an, an easy way. Just to small steps work toward what you want to do. I love that. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, because we grew up in a society where what's it accessible for anyone too. accessible for anyone. Absolutely. We grew up in a society where we think it's about working harder, working more hours. And don't get me wrong. Part of the reason that I am where I am in my life is because I had a tremendous work ethic that I learned at the time that I was 12 years old. Because like I said, we didn't have a lot of money. And I knew that if I was going to get to go do the things that I wanted to do, I had to put in the time. And that is definitely the case. But I had a major epiphany one time. I was doing an interview in Taiwan. I don't know if it was because it's very feng shui or whatever, but they were asking me this question about manifesting and bringing things to life. And I had this vision of a river going, if you've ever seen like a mountain river where there's a lot of big boulders in the river and there's sticks and and logs and the rest of that. And I had this vision flash through my head. Uh, And I know you've talked in your your purpose interview and some of the other interviews about trusting your intuition when your intuition sends you these like, listen up, because there's something there for you to learn. And so here I am in front of the camera and I have this flash of intuition. We're talking about the big five for life. And I, so I start explaining what I'm seeing. And I said, you know, I just had this amazing revelation. I said, most of my life, I was that person or the entity, the water coming down the river. And the destination is the lake. And that's my big five for life. So I'm moving in the direction where I want to go. And when I would encounter the giant rock, my strategy was I'm going to hit that rock as hard as I can. And if I don't get through it, I will back up and I will hit it and I will just keep at it. And I will never give up and never give up. And eventually in a million years, I will work my way through that rock. Right. But what's fascinating is water does something completely different. Water will hit that rock initially, but if you watch it, it'll actually sort of come back and it will eddy and turn and it will look for what is called in physics, the path of least resistance. It doesn't stop moving in the direction that it wants to go, but it looks for the path of least resistance to get there. This is another amazing aha as it relates to living your big five for life. Find the states of flow. This is so countercultural and it is so effective if you can master it. This is why when my intuition said, sit down and start typing, I sat and started typing versus figuring out the 42 reasons why it didn't make any sense. I didn't have the skills for that. Didn't have the training for that. What am I going to do afterwards? I don't know what to do with a book. When you're in that state of flow, you can function at a level that is unprecedented. And so if someone is listening to this and thinking to themselves, wow, yeah, I seem to just be backing up and hitting the rock a thousand more times. I admire your courage. I admire your conviction to getting to your destination. Allow yourself to find flow. Yeah. That is absolutely like the best point I think that you can make and one that we miss. And I've done it in my own life. And a lot of people do that. We We try to control, we want control. And the more you try to control things, the more we make it difficult for ourselves. And when we can learn to just let go, I had a very similar epiphany moment when I was walking along water, it was along a creek. And I just saw that the water just flowed. And that's what I heard loud and clear in my brain. I heard just let go. Yeah. What I heard was like, when you let go and you just let things flow the way they're meant to flow, 
and stop resisting all the time what the universe is trying to push you through, you make things so much easier for yourself. Yeah. So don't give up on the destination, but be open right. to the interesting way in which you may get there. Yes, exactly. It may not be the way you thought it was going to be. That's okay because the universe has better ideas than we do. <laughs> and interestingly, this is something that you learn when you're out backpacking around the world. Um, one of my favorite ways to travel is to buy an airline ticket that gets me from my home city to where I'm starting the trip. And then once I get there, I don't know what I'm doing. And you just go in that state of flow. And it's crazy. You'll, you'll be in a random cafe and you'll talk to someone who's like, oh, did you go here? And you're like, what, Plitvice Lakes in Croatia? You've never been there? Oh, it's awesome. Like, it's one of the most spectacular things in the world. And this state of flow and uh, that allowing the universe to co-create with you is just a fun spot to be in. It really is. Yeah, it definitely is. It is. I love that. And I want to thank you so much. This has been such a fun conversation. I have really, truly enjoyed having you here today. Thanks. Same here. Same here. I admire your courage. I love the fact that you're going to be a speaker. You're going to be great. <laughs> no, now I got to get working on that. <laughs> no pressure. Okay. So here's my, here's my go-to tip for you and anybody else who wants to be a speaker. A great keynote speech is 45 minutes. That is three key points and a story that supports each of the three points. Open with something interesting, close with a summary, and you got yourself a great speech. Love it. Love it. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Now, we have people out there listening who want to buy your books, or maybe they want to work with you or follow you or listen to you because I know you've been on other podcasts as well. What's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, absolutely. So book purchases, uh, Amazon is a fantastic vehicle because everything that I write is on there. It's probably in your local bookstore too, but certainly check Amazon first. And as far as social media goes, we actively post thoughts and ideas that I have that are inspirational in nature. And so that's John Strelecki. So please go ahead and follow us on Instagram if you feel like a good dose of, a healthy dose of inspiration is something that you're looking for. And then something longer, if you look on my website, which is johnstrelecki.com, sometimes I'll have a thought or an idea that isn't necessarily something I'll fit into a book. So I'll just write a piece about it and I'll post that on my blog. Awesome. Well, I highly, highly encourage you all to go and check that out. And again, I want to thank you so much for being here with us today and imparting your wisdom because you had some fantastic points and ideas. And I love it, especially love being able to interview a fellow traveler. So thank you again for being here today, John. You're welcome, Melissa. Enjoy Croatia and Greece. Thank you. And I want to thank all of you for being here with us today as well. If you like this podcast, please subscribe. Please leave a positive review from wherever you're listening. As always, I hope you have a beautiful day from wherever you're listening. I am sending you so much love and light, and I will talk to you soon. Bye, guys.